Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since it first started tumbling into Ireland through the old pirate coves of West Cork and in the stomachs of drug mules coming from Miami, cocaine has become the drug of our nation. It has swept in like a blizzard, dusting every corner of every small town. And so swift and total has its spread been that the Irish are now some of the biggest users in the world. But to unravel how a small island like ours on the edge of Europe ended up such a big player in the major cocaine leagues, we must follow the white supply lines back to the beginning. We must follow the routes it has taken as it travels across the globe. And most importantly, we need to follow the cowboys who put us on the map. So join me, Nicola Talent, for my new live show, Cocaine Cowboys, the story of Ireland's love affair with Colombia's biggest export. Limited tickets now available for February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman and at Dublin's Three Olympia on Sunday, February 18th. Tickets available at venues are on mcd.ie. We've got hundreds of Richard Mills on there, which, you know, all sell in excess of hundreds of thousands of pounds per piece. We've one very special piece on the database, which is one of only 10 made. The retail value of that um, is over a million pounds currently, and that's on a single watch. The more involvement we get globally, the better and better that this system's working. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. High-end designer watches costing tens of thousands of euro are often used as a currency in the underworld, where fakes and real timepieces change hands every day. But legitimate buyers too collect the desirable pieces and increasingly their value has left their owners vulnerable to being targeted by ruthless criminals with ever more discerning eyes. So how is the watch market protecting itself from criminals and how important is the serial number on each designer piece as they make their way through legitimate society and sometimes into the criminal underworld? 
today, I'm talking with Catherine Alexander from the Watch Registry about how buyers and owners can protect themselves from a ruthless underworld where diamond-studded watches have become a badge of honour. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So we were just having a quick discussion while um, Claude was getting the the audio going there, but um, we'll go back over because it's a little bit interesting maybe for people. We're here to discuss uh, watch thefts being on the rise, the value of expensive watches and your own role as the watch register, um, who's sort of providing some peace of, of mind for people who are owning these very expensive pieces of jewellery. But I was recalling back years, years ago when people would have had expensive rings and things. I think a lot of people wear costume jewellery nowadays and are quite happy to do that. Um, maybe we've changed our attitudes to that kind of uh, thing. But they used to kind of often keep solitaire rings, for example, in a bank vault and then, you know, you know create, create fake ones so they could actually wear it, enjoy it while, while wearing it out. Um, but I think when it came to somebody with wealth, you expected them to have the real thing. So nobody was really eyeing it up to see, was it a fake? Fake watches and uh, the value of watches and all that has nearly become an industry in itself now, hasn't it? So it's not used for those particular reasons. Absolutely. I think we're seeing more than ever before, and certainly something that really kind of happened during COVID, is that people have started to use these watches as an investment. Um, We saw, again, historic highs in the value of watches, um, again, over that COVID period, you know, significant rises in the value of these items, you know, which, you know, again, it encourages collecting, but it makes these items very appealing to thieves. You know, we've we've a very small transportable item which is easy, easily concealed or hidden. Um, we have, you know, victims which are openly wearing these items. You know, about their their own business. Um, you know, and unfortunately, we've also got a criminal fraternity that have become very educated and very good at knowing what they're looking for and knowing, you know, what to spot. But speak to me about the watch register. So this is kind of a spin-off from the art loss register, which we've covered before on the podcast. It's basically a, a, a tracking and tracing device for people who may have had very valuable pieces of art stolen. And they keep an eye on if if these pieces of art show up at auction houses or, you know, if they somehow uh, appear back into the, to the market again. So the watch... Uh, Register's role is similar? Absolutely. So um, the the Art Loss Register started um, just over 30 years ago now. Um, Our founding shareholders were Sotheby's, Christie's and Lloyd's of London. Um, And watches were part um, originally of the registrations that we were taking. So we've always registered watches, but just under the Art Loss Register. Um, Around about 2014, significant things happened. Um, The first thing was that there was a significant increase in the amount of watch registrations that we were taking. Um, And we also identified that 
in that year, as Rolex had, had denied access to their own lost and stolen database, there was now a cry from the industry for a reliable, checkable resource. Now, we had a look at our business model. Obviously, the art world moves quite slowly, and, and there were major differences with, with watch industry. And the main difference was in the within the speed with which people needed those results. You know, people were buying, selling, you know, trades happen within the hour rather than within the weeks or the months that the, uh, that the art industry might take for a sale. So we addressed that and the watch register came into being as a separate entity. Um, and we've been going, going break guns ever since, um, just seeing huge year-on-year rises in the amount of registrations, the amount of matches and recoveries that we're able to make. Um, so just what we're seeing is the more involvement we get globally, the better and better that this system's working. So what happens, say if I had the money and decided I was going to buy myself, um, you know, an expensive Rolex, uh, I would get, you know, I would get in tow with the seller. I would presumably take a, a number off the back of that watch and maybe call you and see where it had or where it should have been rather than where it is. So we always encourage, so anybody um, can perform a search on our database. Um, so simply you sign up for an account that literally takes five minutes. It's probably like the longest part of the whole process. And once you've signed up, then we're going to need a few vital bits of information. So we're going to want the make, the model, and the serial number of that watch. We encourage you to do this before performing the transaction. So this is something that you do once you found your watch, you're happy with it, just as, as a pre-purchase check. Um, you then enter that in. Now, you can do that yourselves or alternatively, the dealer that you're buying from um, may perform that check for you. But if they haven't, then you can sign up and do this yourself. We run the check um, against the database. Um, so that is searched against the 100, uh, well, over 100,000 registrations of lost and stolen watches that we have. And hopefully what happens in this process is, is we check out the serial number of the piece that you're looking to buy and can hopefully provide you back with an email notification letting you know that that's all clear. And you'll also get a certificate stating that that is cleared from the database on the day of your check. That that also provides you with evidence of a goodwill purchase, if you like. You've done your absolute best to double check. Mm -hmm. um, if there are any problems further along the line, then you have evidence that you have done your best due diligence. And that, that can actually help protect you in a court of law. As yeah, in, well. ca in case, uh, you know, somebody comes calling, looking for it back and saying <laughs> it belongs to somebody else. I mean, there's a lot of money here in these watches. I mean, this is a multi-million euro industry, but talk to me about the kind of cost uh, and the prices of these watches that you have on the register. I mean, we have the the average value of the watches that we have registered with us is between 10 and 20,000 pounds. Um, so just to hopefully make sense of that a little bit, around about 45% of the database is made up of Rolex models. Um, and they tend to be those gents, sports models, the GMT, 
the um, Submariners, the Daytoners, that are these very high value items. You know, we've several other items, um, you know, several, several hundred, several thousand other items on the database, which are more expensive than Rolex. We've got hundreds of Richard Mills on there, which, you know, all sell in excess of hundreds of thousands of pounds per piece. Um, we've one very special piece on the database, which is one of only 10 made. And that the retail value of that um, is over a million pounds currently. And that's on a single watch. What make is that? So again, that's a Richard Mill. That is a double turbion skull watch. Um, I can probably find you the um, the number of that one, but I can't, I can't yeah, bring yeah. it to mind right now. I mean, I actually am so unsophisticated. I have never heard of Richard Mill. I've heard Mills. I've heard of Rolex and Audemars Piguet. I've heard of the Pateks, Philippe's and the various ones like that. I've mainly heard of the ones that are in the possession of the Criminal Assets Bureau because of raids they've done on houses <laughs> of criminals, right? And uh, that is really how watches have come on my radar to such an extent uh, in recent years because the fact of the matter is that criminals love a bit of bliss on their arm? Well, again, I mean, there's there's that. There's the fact that, you know, demand always outstrips supply on these models. So there's something, again, you know, the criminal fraternity aren't stupid. You know, they know that these things are very easily movable. We're seeing the emergence of other databases onto the market. So, um, you know, we've got Inquirus, which is a Richmond-run scheme. We've got Digital Watch Vault. Now, the difference between our database and these other databases is ours is a closed database. The only people that have access to that are our team and our staff. You know, it's not data that's publicly available. Um, all of our registrations are vetted. And again, you know, if we do make a match on the database, we take steps to actually recover the item. Mm. With the open databases, those are much freer. People don't have to register information. There's no follow-up. They are not forced into a situation of having to do the right thing and declare it if a match occurs. Now, what we're creating there is, you know, any system that, you know, means that somebody can check a watch before purchase is a good thing. However, the way that those databases may be used by the criminal fraternity is to understand whether those are registered on a database and they've got a black market price or whether they're not, and they can be sold on the legitimate market. Now, with ourselves, you know, we are we are vetting every person that has an account with us. You know, we will follow up for more information if that situation arises. Um, and hence, you know, we have to take very proactive steps to drive crime down. You know, mm -hmm. it's not as simple as stopping these items from being resold. It really is a case of stepping in, being proactive, and making best efforts to, one, protect the trade, but also to get the item back to the original victim. So talk about watch thefts, because as we said, these are a very valuable item that you could have walking down the street. You could have 80,000 wrapped around your wrist. Um, clearly, there's a bit of a, uh, you know, it's difficult. Somebody wants to wear that because they've earned the money and they want to show that they can afford to wear that. But at the same time, it's surely making them a target if criminals are very, uh, you know, proactively educating themselves on what's the real thing, what it isn't and how much these 
items are worth. So what's it looking like when it comes to watch thefts and targeted uh, thieving of, of people with these items of jewellery? I mean, it's it's horrifying. And, you know, I won't, I won't hold back here the reports that I read from individuals and police officers every single day of the week. Um, it's very upsetting. You know, we see machete crimes, we see knife crimes, use of violence, you know, we see elderly victim crime, you know, it's, it's just really appalling the, the lengths that criminals would go to to secure these items. Um, it's, I think, something that, yes, you know, there is no better situation than creating an environment where if you've got a fantastic watch, you can wear that out in public and not feel afraid. But we are several years away from that, you know. Um, and like you say, we, we've got a criminal fraternity that's very good at spotting, you know, it's about Assessing your circumstances and assessing the risk, I would say, you know, it's very different if you're going to a formal dinner with a close group of friends, you have transport there and back, you know, even then we'd advise, you know, keeping the watch covered, wearing it as discreetly as possible. Um, But what I'd say to anybody is, you know, really assess, you know, is the risk worth it? I know that you want to wear that item, but I'm sure you also have a collection of other great talking pieces that might, you know, be a better option. Um, We hear every single day of the week about spotters in restaurants, nightclubs, uh, you know, and that in itself is is a scary thing. Fake taxis as people are leaving buildings. And I was going um, to say, Catherine, like people do like showing off the, you know, this sort of wealth. And I'm sure on social media sites, there's plenty of people who purposely pose for a photograph because they have something on their arm. And unfortunately, you know, again, social media is a main target of these criminals. You know, they're going to be looking to see where you've posted that photograph, you know, and we'd always say that, again, there's nothing wrong with posting photographs of your life, but at least wait until you've left the venue, maybe that you're at home that you post that, because you never know who is watching and you never know then what you're going to walk out of that club, that restaurant into, you know, just be aware. Mm -hmm. You were saying um, earlier on that some people have uh, (laughs) indicated that they buy fake watches and leave them around the house in case they are targeted by burglars. Um, presumably there's there's a sophistication given the value of these items that, you know, burglars are probably following up uh, a social media posting to try and track somebody's home and where the most likely place this item would be kept. Absolutely. I mean, we only need to look, you know, through the standard media in a week. We know that sort of footballers get targeted, you know, their homes get targeted when they're away, you know, for international matches, um, away games and things like that. You know, that's somebody in, in you know, in the public periphery. Um, but again, we're seeing more and more with Instagram, with any kind of social media post, you know, that is just red flagging yourself. So, you know, we'd encourage you not not to put yourself in that position. Um, And I think, you know, again, 
the the rise in violent crime is quite scary because obviously we've got quite a lot of I'm not going to hold back here alpha males that love yes. watch collecting and I think this is a type of alpha male that's probably gone through life without having that security concern you know they might be a bigger guy they carry themselves well and they're not used to this type of vulnerability but again what we're seeing is that these criminals don't stop and ask you you know you will be confronted with a knife with a machete you know and god forbid you know in other parts of the world i'm sure that it's you know guns etc you know so that in itself is scary our advice is always you know if god forbid you do find yourself in that situation just hand the item over it is not worth the fight um these are violent, scary criminals, and they won't ask twice. So, where do those watches show up then? I think you've what, have you eighty thousand on the database that are currently um, so stolen. Over over a hundred okay. at the moment. Um, so we we've just accepted a, a huge amount of data. We've just started a, a data sharing agreement with the London Metropolitan Police Force, which means that we're taking all of their historic records since time, you know, since record keeping began, I think back in the early 90s. So a significant amount of data. And that's just starting to upload now. So where do they show up these watches, these stolen watches that have been stolen through violent means? So sometimes it, it depends on the type of criminal that they've fallen into the hands of. So we may find that with an opportunistic crime, that that item very rapidly turns up in a pawnbroker's not too far away. We've got great relationships with the pawnbroking industry in the UK. Um, they're huge supporters of ours and we work very well together. So we can find that within literally a few hours of the crime taking place, that that item is being offered for resale very close by. Um, you know, Again, hopefully that's that's great um, for the police going and um, and making further investigations and hopefully, you know, um, securing and enough. Catherine, they would probably be the lesser value items, would be the, the kind of the Rolexes, the well, Regas, the Breitlings. Yeah. yeah, and then when we get into the more organised crimes, you know, when we're talking about watches, you know, certainly that have hundreds of thousands of pounds of value. Now, again, I mean, I'm guessing here that we know that watches are stolen to order, so there may be an aspect of that. But what we do see is, say, a watch is lost in LA mm. or a watch is stolen in LA, what, rather. We may see that watch turn up in Hong Kong at auction several years down the line. Um, we might find that that watch has been on a bit of a journey around the world, you know, and obviously that has gone, you know, underground somewhat for so, so many years. We also find, you know, with large commercial thefts, that it's quite common for for the criminals to sit on those watches for several years. And then what we'll find is that we start to take searches for those watches um, and maybe sort of five, six years down the line, all of a sudden we're starting to get those leads um, to, to actually understand properly where they've disappeared to through that time. And a bit like cars, I presume watches are used as currency within the criminal underworld, so they can disappear for a long time. Absolutely. So there, there's huge evidence, and I would say especially with Rolex. Um, Rolex are their own criminal currency. Um, I don't think that's new news to anybody. Um Again, just because, you know, they're easily turned in, back into cash, they're easily traded and they are very desirable. Mm. Do you have a watch? I do. do I you? do. 
I do. I have several, actually. Um, so, you know, even in this experience, one would think that it's probably put me off of collecting. Yeah. I... I still love watches. I still love this industry um, and have a good collection. But you can see today that yeah, yeah, yeah. in um, central London, what I do for the majority of my time is go barest. Yeah, well, I can just tell everybody listening now, I don't have a watch. I haven't had a watch since <laughs> I was a teenager. I use my phone for the, the time, but that's not the purpose of them, is it? These are a piece <laughs> of art, really. Yeah. What we're talking about here is, again, and this is where the, the sadness of these crimes comes in, is nobody for the last goodness knows how many years has bought a watch to tell the time. These are very sentimental items. Think about how we purchase these, these high-value purchases. It can be for a graduation, a special birthday, an anniversary, a wedding. What happens is, is that gets imbued in that item. So what's stolen from somebody is not necessarily a 25, pounds watch. It's all of the memories that are associated with that. And, you know, and we know that if it was strictly financial, then most people have good insurance cover and the insurance covers that. But we see an awful lot of victims that are just longing for that special item to come back to them. Yes. And are the serial numbers often replicated on them? What we see is, is in counterfeit watches, yes. And this is, so we were talking about fakes earlier on, um, and I think I, my advice here was is the the, the producers of fake watches um, are an unregulated industry. Um, and so we wouldn't support purchasing any type of fake. Um, now, are you talking about fakes down to the kind of the stalls on the beaches in, in, in you know, on holiday destinations, that fake? Absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, they seem like such a good deal. A couple of hundred pounds are so close to the real thing now. You know, you're on holiday, you're in that good mood. But what the seller of that watch isn't telling you is all the negative things. You know, there's no regulation. There could be harmful materials in those watches that are going to make you sick. They could have been produced by child or slave labor. The, the funds that, are, that you're giving to that person may go back into funding terrorist activity. So something that most of us that are reasonable human beings wouldn't want to involve ourselves in. So that is the reality of it. There is a difference still in very low end fakes that are easily picked up. But we also have super fakes on the market now, which you know might be a couple of thousands of pounds each very close to the real thing and are designed to deceive experts. Right. And are they being sold as super fakes to people or are they being sold as the real thing? Both probably. Absolutely. So normally to the original purchaser, they're aware that that's a fake. Um, however, by the time that that goes onto open sale to the general public, there can be a lie behind it and somebody is selling that as the genuine article. And um, we see lots of examples of this and people being caught foul of it. Unfortunately, with, with boxes and paperwork as well, those are readily available as fakes. So, you know, people you say, well, it's come with the box and original papers. Nowadays, unfortunately, that is no guarantee of this being a legitimate item. Mm -hmm. Well, look, I suppose if anybody out there has the money, which I don't, I can tell you after Christmas in the new year to go and spend 20, 30, 40,000 quid on a watch, um, they would be well advised, wouldn't they really, to just check out the, well, obviously, you know, if you're buying it from a jeweller, you're hoping that you're going to get a proper deal there and the jeweller's done all their due diligence. But if they're buying off, uh, you know, from the secondhand market, it is probably a good idea really to check it out, isn't it? 
because you never know I mean, where you're going to have the, the cops on your door or if you have been tricked into paying for something that's only worth a couple of hundred quid. Exactly. And I think, you know, one, there there is the, the counterfeit risk, but two, most of us, again, wouldn't want to own an item that has been violently taken from somebody. That would somewhat ruin the experience. Um, there is, you know, obviously, if that that has been sold by a person who doesn't have legal title to it, then what is going to happen eventually is when ourselves or the police discover that that item is with you, is we're going to ask for that item back so that we can give it to the rightful owner. And that could present a significant financial loss to yourself. Imagine being in the position where you've paid £20,000, £30,000 for a watch and it's then taken away from you. You know, so this is, you're spending a significant amount of money. Just do a couple of checks. One is with ourselves to make sure that the item's not lost, stolen, or a known counterfeit. Um, And then the second check that I would advise you to go and have independently taken is an authenticity check on that watch. We never take receipt of the item, so I can't open that up and tell you what the workings are inside. I'm working all from that serial number. So having a good trusted expert that can perform the other check for you Mm -hmm. is the best safeguard. For sure. It's like just buying a piece of art. So thank you very much, (laughs) Catherine. You're very welcome. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.